everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. On today's episode, it's my pleasure and honor to welcome my guest, Sung Yu. Hey, Sung, how are you? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me. Um, I'm excited to hear more about who you are, your story, your business, um, which I'm a big fan of. So again, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, so Sung, without um, me talking too much more, I do want to tell people though, like when I found your uh, news, not your news feed, excuse me, your Instagram feed, um, uh-huh. I was um, so inspired Truly, um, I have not bought your products yet, which we're going to talk about, but um, I am a mother of two. As you know, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And I think as as far as the products that you you sell through your business goes, um, I just, I'm just sorry. I'm not try- I'm trying not to expose too much before I want to give you a chance to talk about it, talk about everything. But I. Um, not only was I inspired by the products, but honestly, I think I was inspired just by the person, like just you behind the product. So truly, I'm excited that you're here. Um, so Sung, can you tell me what is it that you do? Yes. <laughs> That's so flattering. Thank you for the introduction. Um, I'm originally like a multidisciplinary designer. And now the creative director of Big Little Universe, which is my brand that has recently launched. Um, I started Big Little Universe because I saw a gap in the market for children's product that really tie more content or let's say creative play to products. Mm. Multifunctionality is a very important part and value that I've been injecting into how we create Um, design and develop content for the brand. Okay. And so uh, Big Little Universe is all about inspiring curiosity in little ones, helping them be more creative in how they play, as well as helping parents get more value out of products that are better designed so that you can have hopefully less, much less products in your home that do do more, Mm. whether it is for play or just, you know, daily use. Yes, I am a big fan of that. I cannot tell you how, like, as much as I want to keep my kids occupied, like, we have so many little things that are unnecessary around the house. And I'm like, no more toys. I don't want any more toys in my house. Like, and that is so cool that you found this kind of gap in the market to be able to um, fill it, hopefully, through Big Little Universe. Um, So do you feel like that's kind of like, your passion, like seeing a need and then trying to design something to fill that need? Is it my passion? Solving for this is my passion. Mm. Um, I like, and I, I want to sort of like define what I, how I would articulate what I believe passion is. Okay. And because like I've done a lot of different types of work in the design industry and I think it's been really important for me that I actually went through that in order to come to the conclusion that this is where my passion lies and this is the industry and sector that I want to solve for. Mm -hmm. Because as a designer, I've been able to use that, which is my way of problem solving, to work on a lot of different types of projects. Mm -hmm. So if you hear about my background, um, 
I've really done a lot of different types of work in design. Um, well, I definitely want to hear all about that. Um, but before I jump into that with you, um, can you tell me what a typical day for you would look like then as a creative okay. director? Oh, as a creative director, maybe I'll go through my routine. Okay, yes. If that helps lay out a little bit of a framework because I can be a very uh, um, disciplined. I don't know. I, in some ways, I was going to say like rigid, but also, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's one or both. It's something like that. So uh, the moment I wake up, although I do have um, chronic insomnia, so I don't sleep super well. Yeah, I found that I will... I officially found out this year that I have um, a certain kind of insomnia. But um, so my mind is usually awake around 3 a.m. But once I decide to wake up properly, um, I will first do about a 20 minute meditation. Mm. First thing when I like have full, you know, consciousness and have are deciding to wake up. Um, the next thing I do will probably be something around like probably brush my teeth and like wash my face, kind of do like a simple get ready routine. And then I will actually spend about five to 10 minutes just really like facing sunlight mm. um, in order. Yeah. In order to um, get sort of my, my body and mind ready um, for the day. Um, and then after that, I usually um, will have a glass of water. Very important because I'm not so good about drinking water. <laughs> it's part of my routine. Um, I'll take a look at my schedule just to know um, exactly what I need to be prepared for, for the day, for the most part. Um, my gym schedule depends. Sometimes it's earlier on in the morning, like today, but on certain times it's in the evening. But if I do have it scheduled for the morning, I'll go train I get showered, get ready. And then as soon as I get home, I will, after being ready, I'll, I will actually uh, journal for mm. about 30 minutes or so also to kind of just get my mind ready for the day, get everything out on paper. And then, um, yeah. And then that's how my, that's how my week starts. Like my work day starts. Um, once a week, um, I will also volunteer um, as a art teacher or an art coach. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, virtually um, for children with uh, chronic illness. So that's been a great pleasure as well. That's amazing. And yeah, and yeah, and normally um, on other days, it's pretty jam packed with it. It just really depends on what I'm dealing with. It could be logistics, it could be customer service, it could be design work, it could be tech pack designing, it could be phone calls and meetings all day. Um, so that's usually it. And then, you know, my day ends, I finish eating by 8 PM and then hopefully I'm, I'm in bed to prepare to be asleep. But again, I have, I have insomnia. So that's, that's a little bit of a challenge in oh, my life. Man, that <laughs> sounds um, really challenging and difficult. Uh, I can't even imagine what that's like. Cause I, I'm really sensitive to caffeine and I'm sure this is not the same as insomnia, but like if I drink a cup, that like uh one even one a day and that night my mind is racing and I can't sleep so I can't imagine what it's yeah. like to live with chronic insomnia <laughs> oh my goodness yeah it's, but then, it's less know, intense yeah go ahead oh I was gonna say um 
But then, you know, describing kind of, you know, you you mentioned that you're very disciplined. Um, and I'm like, yes, I feel like you are the most prepared guest. Okay, sorry, other guests. But like, you're the most <laughs> prepared guest I've ever had. And I'm like, so like grateful. And I'm like, man, this is why. This is why Sung is successful at Big Little Universe. This is why she's gotten where she is today. Because of um, your discipline and desire, I feel like, to just an excellence I don't correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like that's the vibe that I get from you wow thank you I I don't want to disagree with that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so much for such kind words um yeah and also your your time is very important to me as well so hopefully um, I am as prepared as you're as you're saying. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Um, okay. So what I what I am always curious about, like whenever I see, um, you know, like businesses like Big Big Little Universe or even other small businesses that I've seen kind of come up through Instagram and actually get a lot of popularity and uh, movement through just social media in itself. Um, is like how does it even start like the just the genesis of it all like even as a product designer brand designer as like yourself and all that you've been through like like you think of a product and then what then what happens <laughs> yeah um so I've always had I innately knew that I wanted to well okay let me just start over so I innately, I think, always knew that I was going to be a creative or an artist, I guess, like since I was very young. Like that was kind of a given. It's also the only thing I really noticeably excelled at mm-hmm. <laughs> as much as I may have tried a lot of other things. That was, you know, the subject that I, I excelled at. So that was a bit of a, a given, but... I think working up towards actually executing perhaps like uh, all the different things that I've, I've now experienced, had work experience in, it was really just making sure that I continued to explore and stay curious around what I really wanted to learn more of. Mm. Does that Kind of, yeah. So, like, answer the question. So, for you with Big Little Universe, what is it that you were exploring in itself? Yeah. So, I I guess maybe I have to tell the backstory of like starting from when I was okay. Okay. So, um, I again, when I was younger, I think it was very innate that I was going to be a creative or an artist of some of some sort. It was the subject that I was like, I excelled at naturally. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I I went to a high school that was a fine art school, which trained me a bit to prepare my portfolio. It was it was basically like a mini college. You apply with a portfolio, you know, you you learn different skill sets. Um, and really it was a visual art school. So that helped prepare to go to college. Like deciding where you wanted to go to college was also dependent on, you know, what your, uh, I guess our teachers at the time would help sort of guide and lead what they felt was going to be appropriate. I applied to a lot of different schools that I was interested in 
And, um, but I landed in, uh, at Parsons, which is, was my number one. Yeah. Number one school that I wanted to go to. Um, there was also a little bit of a, um, concern, at least from, I was, I grew up with a single parent and being able to afford the school was going to be, um, a challenge that we, we needed to face. So, yeah, that was another uh, real aspect of it, but we made it work. Um, at least at that time, there was a lot of different ways that you can apply to scholarships, but in a very manual way. I had to like go to Barnes and Nobles and look through these like really thick books and like apply for as many scholarships as you could. And a lot of times you have to either write an essay or submit some artwork or, you know, have recommendations and so forth. So did that. And then um, after... After school, I, well, during school also, like, I I always was just very curious about, like, what it was that I was going, I was going to be willing to continue to do. I always wanted to learn. I wanted to gain as much experience as possible. So as soon as I could get an internship, I started interning, like, while I was in school. So that's how I gained some base knowledge around the different types of you know, corporate environments or smaller, uh, smaller firms that I, I had worked at um, in order to see what that experience was like. And then as soon as I graduated school, um, I had one of those internships turn into a full-time job. So that's how I, that's how I like continued my career. As I got into um, my professional career, I quickly learned that I was very, much curious about how I could gain more experience in a similar uh, industry. So, mm-hmm. cause, because I was a communication design major, it's very, it's, it's pretty broad. Um, I was able to write, like take a class in book design. I did a lot of like, you know, illustration, um, print, a lot of just print, you know, based work, packaging design. So it's, it's quite broad actually. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, anytime I got a better opportunity, I, I took the job, perhaps the job was with a company or a brand that I aligned with in terms of what I wanted to learn or do. Um, or also financially, I was always looking at what, what opportunities there were so that I could, continue to sort of excel and move forward and, and learn from, learn from directors that I knew that I would potentially want to be like, right. That I looked up to. So I tried a lot of different things. (laughs) I tried a lot, uh, in, in beauty to start. Um, I was also at an advertising firm. Um, I did some like art directing and creative direction. And eventually I, realized that with all the production work that I had done, like designing products and packaging, um, I started to realize that I really wanted to affect more, such as like an experience and a space. So so that's when I started my custom design and build um, work. And I know that's a lot. <laughs> I know I just said a lot, but that's really what it's been. I've been basically like sampling throughout majority of my career, but like I said, I think as much as it's applied to different types of things, 
it's really, it's really a similar foundation because it's all just problem solving through design. Right. Yeah. No, you know, um, thank you so much for sharing all of that because for me, what I hear is like, oh, like Sung knew what she was good at at an early age. And I feel like in high school, like for you to be able to go to a, like a fine arts high school, um, like mm-hmm. it's such a blessing because, you know, I think a lot of people don't know that early on, like their gifts mm-hmm. and what they're good at. Um, but even then, it's fascinating for me to hear you now. Do you mind me asking how old you are? I'm 39. Okay. So like you're still young, but like even now you're, it's like, it took you some time to really figure out what it is that you actually wanted to do. And I feel like with the podcast itself, for me, like that's the story, right? Like that's like, that's what gets me every time. Cause it's like, yeah, you know what? Like, it's okay. Like take your time but when you find it, you will find it and like love it, I feel. But um yes, I feel like that that's the picture of a journey that gives people, especially Asian Americans, permission mm. to like mm-hmm. explore and like do different things, even if it's in your field already, right? Like because mm-hmm. you did so many other things too, but still yeah. an artist. Um yeah. <laughs> That like, yeah, and and then you came to this kind of niche kind of area. Is like this is what I think I want to do, and that's really cool. <laughs> You're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh Thank man. You. Okay. Yeah, so, so like, oh sorry. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Go ahead. What were we gonna say? No, I just wanted to say like all of those different experiences is what helped define what I want to solve for ultimately. Mm-hmm. That's like. That's the conclusion of that, right? And I've definitely had moments and doubts where, eh, small moments, not big moments, but where I felt like, oh, like, am I trying too many different things? Should I just stick to this one particular skill set thing and just do that and continue to like, you know, I don't know, try to climb the corporate ladder Although very early on, I also knew that wasn't going to be a fit for me. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But I just, I honestly, I just kind of went with my true, my, how, how I felt and how I felt was I wanted to learn more. I was curious. I was excited about learning new skill sets. And especially when you find things that you're also not great at or don't know yet, I think it's, it's just the best way to have the most growth. So I just kind of always went with that attitude. Like, I'm not great at this yet, but I'm here and I'm ready. Fake it till you make it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So good. Um, Okay. So with Big Little Universe, what was like the first product you came up with? Okay. So that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) Yes. Because I think before even a product, the brand or even having a children's brand was in the back of my mind for many, many years. Mm. Um, I had done the whole thing of like brainstorming, right, brand names without even knowing what it is that I wanted to do years before. Um, and of course, like bought the domain names and and did that whole, <laughs> went through that whole process. Um, but 
when I was launching, it was a little bit more strategic than thinking about like what product do I want to launch with? I needed to have something that I can introduce Big Little Universe to the world with. And that was done through a, a gift set um, just to be able to show the different values that were important to the brand, which is multifunctionality, um, as well as the, the essentials that were included in that gift set were all very useful, practical, and easy to use products. Because a lot of times, right, like you have people perhaps like having babies or who have children that you want to gift something to, but it's, it's quite hard to find gift sets that are of good value that are also going to be very (laughs) useful, right? There's, there's very high-end products that are beautiful and gorgeous, of course. And then there's like, just kind of like basic gift sets that don't feel as thoughtful for, to, to give at times. And, you know, times I find myself supplementing, right? Like buying a couple other things to add to a gift box. So that was my way of just presenting my thought process to the world. So uh, we started with a gift box. Oh, wow. So what were some of the things in the gift box? Um, We had some soft goods. So all organic muslin and cotton, like soft products. There was like, which we still sell, actually. We have a um, resizable muslin cotton bandana bib that can also be used as, you know, like a burp cloth or even later on, you know, it's very absorbent. Um, we had, uh, there was also a lovey in there, which we also still carry, um, which is just like a comfort product. It's a comfort toy, um, hand carved, a hand carved wood animal, which was also like a mystery animal. So you don't know quite yet what, um, animal and the different characteristics it'll be, but it's sort of like a fun little thing. So we had a little descriptor card and it was a mystery animal that you can open and, this is in the newborn box. So it's like parents to be, you know, Uh uh getting excited about what that be. That can be used as a teether or just like stacking blocks later on. Um, yeah, those are just a couple of the items. There was, there was a lot of different varieties of that, but for different age, age ranges. That's awesome. I mean, what a great idea. And so, um, that's how you wanted to kind of present the brand you said to, the rest of the world um and with that how like so what happened after you um launched your first gift set um you know what what I guess what I'm really trying to ask Sung is like yes um, how did you get traction like how did you get people to come in and how did how did you get your name out there and people buying the products mm-hmm so To start, because I soft launched in COVID, it was during COVID, it was, yeah, it was a little bit of a strange experience because initially with the soft launch, there wasn't an immediate feedback because I also wasn't interacting or or seeing people um, in person. So you kind of feel like you put in all this work to launch something like a website and then you're like, oh, Okay, now what? Now yeah. now what's happening next? So the way that at least I solved for it in the immediate was before I did any marketing um, or any advertisement of any sort, I actually did back-to-back about 12 pop-ups because those were outdoors. 
it was not even a part of the strategy or part of my thought process, to be honest. But I realized that it was the best way to just really just like get out there and to also see how, you know, people would react to the brand. Mm -hmm. So, and it was in California, which, you know, I originally was in New York initially. So while I was here, I was like, okay, let me take advantage of this. And through that, that was like sort of the start of understanding and knowing very valuable data and information as to how I should create and what I should focus on for not only describing the products that I sell, but also what I would design next mm. because I could see parents and children reacting right away, like in person. Wow. So that was like the start of mini community building. And I also, I actually have become good friends with a lot of the parents that I've met at the pop-ups. I've actually done photo shoots with some of them as well. And that's been a really valuable part and rewarding. It's been a very rewarding part of the experience. Um, and then I, in the summer, by the time that summer came around, I had now curated and designed a few other products that I just, I just instinctually, I mean, of course I did research on what is in the market, but instinctually said, I, I just have to really put some advertising spend behind this and give it a try. And, and we did, and it was, it was very successful, um, some seasonal products. So that was very exciting. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, um, well, one, you put in the work to build a community of followers and people that would be into the brand. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, it would be so exciting to see people love, love it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it would be so fruitful to be able to witness that in person, but what a challenging time to do that during COVID and stuff. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, um, different. It was different. unique. It's a unique experience. Yeah. And I agree. It's so rewarding when I hear from parents or, you know, friends that have bought for other people's children that, oh, that product that we bought from big little universe is so-and-so's absolute favorite and they won't leave home without it. And, or when I hear from parents that they never travel without a particular thing, um, product from us. It's, I mean, that's really like, that's really the, the main point as to what I want to be able to do, right. Create even small moments of like more convenience and value for, for families. Mm, yeah. So, okay. Is this, what year is this for you for big little universe? This is 1.2. So we're in, or 1.5, sorry. Okay. We're in we're in year two. That's amazing. Okay. So, um, what are some of the biggest challenges you have faced, um, in launching big little universe? Mm, okay. Let me see. Um, I think there's so many different challenges that happen day to day as well. Um, so there's a lot of things that are obviously like out of my control, mm. um, which can include things that right are like in, in prototype making, which is part of the design process, things can be made incorrectly. So there's 
there's a file or a format of how you create um, what's called a tech pack that you send to the makers or the manufacturers. And as thorough as you will be, a lot of times the prototypes, the first samples can come back incorrectly. It could come back incorrectly the second, third, fourth time. And it's just, it can be very time consuming. So that's a challenge. There's always, there's been challenges because of COVID, like timing factories have been shutting down. Some of my makers have been getting, getting sick at times. Um, also like lack of materials, um, which is been something that you, we've really had to like work around or I have to like rethink. Mm. Um, and then of course, like shipping as well. Um, that's been, that's also a timing thing. There's also challenges around, um, I have every single product tested the testing protocol or requirements can just, it can just really lead to very extensive, just design, redesign, iteration, revision for very, even very simple things such as like crayons, you know, there's, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of different requirements. And so it's something that is extremely important for safety, but also that I love being able to know, of course, we want every single product that gets tested to pass right away, right, in some ways. But when it doesn't, it's also very, it's it's great news, because I'm like, all right, what's what's wrong? And what do we need to improve on? And how do we revise this to still, you know, contain and have all the different design aspects and functionality that we that I love and want to um, maintain, right? but we need to iterate. So that's, those are some of the, some of the challenges. Okay. So like, um, (laughs) why would a product fail? Like what, can you Hmm. give me an example? I'm just really curious. (laughs) Yeah, sure. No, of course. Um, there's a lot of, depending on what the product is, is what determines by the testing center. And I use an international testing center. There's okay. also different types of testing centers. You can test for just the U.S. Since I'm U.S.-based, I could do that, but I test for international. So the requirements are all different. But generally speaking, right, of course it depends. Soft products like flammability um, is something that's tested for. Yes, like how quickly or how flammable is an item. Um, dyes can be toxic, so can paints. Paints can be toxic depending on how and where the paint is coming from. Choking hazards are also a very big part of the testing. Um, it's tested to see like if there's any loose parts that are small enough for, to be a choking hazard. There's, what else is there? There's also like a testing for sort of mechanical errors such as like for ride-ons. Mm-hmm meaning like tricycles or scooters or little, you know, um, ride-on products, there can be, there's what's called like pinch points that can happen. So when a steering wheel or a handle is turned, there's, there's very specific math that needs to happen in order to make sure that a limb or a finger or, you know, toes like don't get, yeah, don't get pinched or stuck. Um, also weight weight limitation or limit, you know, um, testing around weight is also a very important part so that, you know, a child at a certain weight 
sits on a product, it needs to be stable and it needs to stay functioning. Um, and yeah, I think those are, those are some of the main, main points that I think covers majority of it. Yeah, no, that <laughs> is testing. like super fascinating things I never think about, but I should be really grateful for because without testing, I'm sure there'd be so many accidents in, in a home. Um, but okay. So you were saying how, um, you know, you'll, you'll, I don't know what you called it, but like the preliminary mm -hmm. design or whatever. Prototype. Proto okay, the prototype. Well, I, well, you were saying you send it to the factories to get made and then they'll send it mm -hmm. back and then like you get, yes. sometimes you do a back and forth. Like in yes. that time, like do you lose money because you're sending things back and forth? Yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So like – um it costs like, money every time. Okay, I'm I'm hesitant to ask you and you don't have to answer it, but like say like you send something and like it's just a little bit off. Not a lot. <laughs> like to the factory? You, yeah, like or to the manufacturer? Yeah, like so like say they send something back and, and like you're looking at it and it's just like mm -hmm. slightly off from what you had like originally imagined. Oh, like, okay. would you just like go with it? Because like, I mean, no. it's a lot of work. <laughs> the, the answer, the straight answer is no. Okay. Now, <laughs> now are there, are there times and scenarios where it's not absolutely exactly what I want, but we move forward? Sure. Well, but that's, that's. That's only because I'm value engineering, if that makes sense. So, okay. right, like I want to use, uh, I actually wanted to use um, for not, I wanted to use a very specific Japanese fabric mm -hmm. for for um, some of the soft products in it, that I initially designed. Not only was it extremely difficult to find, but it was extremely, it was going to not only be cost effective, like it was going to take a long time and also is extremely expensive for a product that I could get the exact same quality for and not source it from Japan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, right, it's not exactly what I envision, but, but that's sort of the beauty of, I think, being a designer and with all the experiences that I've had, I know the areas that the value engineering or, Hey, like let's, this, this particular part, this woven label doesn't need to be linen right now. <laughs> Cotton is going to be okay, right? Like those little details, like every, oh, this, this particular um, woven label doesn't need to be embroidered. It can be silk screened and mm. you will still get the message across. It will still do exactly what it needs to do and function. And I will go with that. So in that sense, Yes, at times it's not exactly what I vision. And also you have to be scrappy and, you know, um, be smart about where you're putting putting the money that you're spending. But if something comes back and I'm not happy with even like an eyeball, the placement of an eyeball or, you know, the shape of the sewing or the way the lines are like, I it's a no, I will not, I will not approve it. So that's how particular um, I am. <laughs> no, I mean, I would imagine, especially if it's your design, I just had to ask because um, I feel like it would be so frustrating, you know, to like 
have to play this back and forth, but but also knowing where to be flexible. Um, I think it's funny that you think, oh yes. But then what's also mind blowing for me is that you even have to think about all of those details. Like when you said like the sewn in tag needs to either be embroidered or silk screened, I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so many details to think about but so important to the to a brand in itself right like how you put yourself out there um but also like you mentioned like it's okay if it's not like <laughs> yeah. um Sung, would you mind kind of taking me back actually i feel like i would have some listeners that um are interested in knowing about your experience um at Parsons and in art school um mm-hmm. and like what that was like for you I I know it's been a minute probably but um mm-hmm. I also know I've uh, with previous guests they tell me that even applying to art school is challenging in itself you have to like turn in a whole bunch of stuff portfolio um you, you they start Artwork. early on um yeah. but yeah could you like recall some of that experience for me yeah, sure. Um, I, you know, I went to a fine arts school knowing that I would want to be an artist of some sort or creative. So I think that even like having a different um, format of training before school, before actually even applying for college really helped um, sort of create like a bit of a foundation and have some fundamentals in part at Parsons in particular, there's something called a foundation year where the first year you have an option to, I believe it was three. You get to choose three different majors that you get to try out during that time. And so I tried fashion and communication design event. Fashion was my number one actually choice initially going into school. But once I got there, I just felt taking the classes, I just didn't feel as passionate. I also felt like my background and what I had trained in thus far wasn't as applicable, if that makes sense, to what I was going to be doing in fashion. As much as I knew how to sew, I knew how to do figure drawing, it was just like a different level um, of, you know, interest that the the other students that were in fashion had, and I, and I think I just like took that to heart and thought, hmm, like perhaps like keeping the skill sets I want to learn more broad could give me a better opportunity to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. And communication design is a lot more broad, and you get to choose within within that major, what different types of classes and skill sets you want to learn. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I did. Um, and then schooling, I think Parsons was a really great training program, really. They give you all the tools and I didn't go to any other college, so I wouldn't know otherwise, but I feel like they really set you up and show you how it could potentially be in the real world. They, they give you certain projects and kind of impossible projects, I would say, and like very intense deadlines. Really, I feel like to train you, it's kind of like a boot camp to real life when you are in the design world. Mm-hmm. And then they give you other tools such as like, you know, you have career days and I became 
very good friends with the career services director. <laughs> um, yes. And it's really up to you. You have to do the work afterwards, but the foundation and sort of the tools are given to you. So I felt like it was a really good, not just really good. I think it was an extremely great experience for me. And I felt after school, I never, I didn't really find it challenging to find a job or, mm. or to work, but I think it's also really up to the individual. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, I was a communication design major. So I think I also had a bit more flexibility in the type of work I could do. Whereas. Right. right. And you fashion, said also for that, instance, that you were set up at, with an internship as well, right? That kind of allowed you to op- to more open doors. Yeah, well, I I decided that I wanted to start interning as soon as I could. And I'm uh-huh. sure someone had also, you know, guided and, and taught us that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that I just like knew on my own that that's what would be next. But as soon as I could start interning, which was my sophomore year, I just started taking on internships. And that was really, really great exposure to seeing how the glamorous world of design could be in the different, different categories. But so you didn't, did you grow up in New York? When I was younger, I grew up in Maryland. Okay. Okay. So you weren't too far from home then. Yeah, far, but close, but far. Far far (laughs) enough. (laughs) Far enough. Yeah. New York was so different than where I grew up. So, Mm. I mean, I, I fully loved it. New York is still like home for me. Yeah at least right now, it, it, you know, it's where all my friends and network and sort of my career develops. So. Um, so what made you move to California? (laughs) I moved to California initially, uh, in a relationship. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, that was why I had initially moved. Um, and then things changed. So, Um, I ended up wanting to give California a chance because I've also always thought, oh, like it would be amazing to live on the West Coast and have the ideal outdoorsy life, right? And be adventurous, which I, which I really do love. And it's a big part of my life. So, so decided to stay. Oh, nice. Um, Yes. And so you've been doing most of Big Little Universe from the West Coast then now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Do you feel like it influences the kinds of products that you design for the brand? Like location? Hmm. Um, it's interesting. I think I'm naturally inspired, right, by my environment. But what's interesting is, okay, seasonally, right now, sales are best um, in California, just because I think my seasonal products kind of... Um, naturally are summer and, you know, California is a bigger market, but my second largest sales are all come from New York. Oh, So, so it's also, it's not really a fair comparison because I think, again, the seasonal thing is probably why, but you know, I don't know yet. It's still too early to mm-hmm. really know. Mm-hmm. But when I heard that it was New York uh, or when I've seen that it's New York is number two, I've been like, ah, the, the core and the foundation of, of New York is right there, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. Is how it feels. So, 
so, yeah. so like, I'm not I'm not sure I'm sure it does but it you know well this I think part of the reason I asked too is because for me one of my that the one of the products that I've had my eye on getting for my own kids is um the sand toys Mm-hmm. And so, like, for me, I'm like, oh, like, I wonder why they went with beach. Because, like, there aren't that many beach toy products, right, like, out there that I've, that I've mm-hmm. come across. So I just yeah. go to, you know, Costco or, like, Target. <laughs> yeah. But, but <laughs> you know, your products are so different that I'm like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if it's because she's near the beach that she kind of oh. thought this is this is a product that is necessary or, like, parents want? No, not necessarily, actually. It's more about, so I think sort of the design sensibility and how I think about things Mm -hmm. is what's the common thread. So it's not particularly that I'm thinking, oh, I'm by the beach now. So how can I solve for a beach product that's easy to travel with, that's convenient, that's like better for the environment because it lasts longer, it's, it's more that there are certain products that I'll see that I'm like, oh, that I don't need to reinvent the whole wheel. Also, I'm not necessarily like innovating anything brand new. All the aspects and elements of what I design are things that exist. It's just how can we make it better? Mm-hmm. Like, can this product be made of a different material or less material? Can this product do and function in a better way? Can how can we make it so that it's easy to use and can last longer or function in a different way Mm -hmm. so that you can ultimately really have less stuff, like truly be more minimal because as parents, um, you know, every single parent and friend that I know that have children, just you end up with so much stuff. Crap. We just end up with crap. (laughs) So much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, no, that's really good. Okay. Um, I have to ask, is there anything you don't like about currently what you do? I don't dislike anything. Okay. But the one thing that I would, I guess I would say is it would be really, I, I wish I could do everything. I don't like that. I can't do everything. Like if I were like a cartoon octopus and like, had all these arms in order to write, like do multiple things at the same time. Um, that would be amazing, but that's not the reality. There's so many different aspects now, especially with technology, social media, different outlets and how you get information out there that it's, it's just really different than I would say, right. Even before COVID. So just, just a few years ago. So that's, that's, I think, the one part that I feel often I need to really stay focused on in order to just also stay in my lane as much as like, well, stay in my lane as in, I mean, I really like, it's it's really just me. I have like freelancers and I, I have help um, in certain areas, but of course I still do a lot of it myself. Mm-hmm. And I find myself at times actually, you know, easily getting distracted to wanting to do other things because I, I need to be the person doing it. So having a very like rigid schedule is something that really helps, 
helps me the most to really stay on top of things. Right. I mean, and even I'm still, sure. there's like things I want to do all the time. So yeah, no, I can't <laughs> even imagine. Um, I mean, I'm sure having that schedule helps, but at the same time, I'm sure there are a million things that you need to get done in order for things to move forward in your, in your mm-hmm. brand. And, um, if you're anything like me, I'm kind of like, I wouldn't say I'm anxious, but like when things, when there are things to get done, I just want them to get done properly and well, you know, and I don't, course, and I don't yeah. own a business, so I can't imagine the things that you have to get done. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, uh, you're, I you're too- a parent. That's, that's pretty yeah. much a, a business in itself as well. You really are. You are the boss. <laughs> Thanks for the empathy. I appreciate it. But like, <laughs> yes, I too wish that I could like make 50 of me so that I can just do everything. Um, okay. So what do you like the best about your, what you're currently doing right now? Yeah, I, it's really the most rewarding to be able to connect and build, right. A a community through what I'm doing, because it is again, like the most rewarding when I hear back from people that have bought products or if Mm -hmm. I like, right? Like reconnecting and just hearing like, oh my gosh, like this was super popular. or Now I'm the favorite uncle or aunt at the birthday party because of your suggestion or because of the products that we purchased. And I'm just hoping that I can do a lot more of it and really connect with even more families because it's also where I get my inspiration Mm -hmm. is hearing about like the different challenges or also just like watching people and how they function day to day. Um, especially with children, um, and different families. So that's, that's what I love the most. That's awesome. Um, something came to mind as you were talking and, um, are there any challenges in you being an Asian American woman that started this big little universe brand? Interesting question. I, you know, funny enough, it was the first time I feel like I had a real hesitation before I soft launched because it was during COVID. I was hesitant. I actually really like thought about it for a good amount of time. If I wanted to put my face on the brand and kind of expose, I guess that I was an Asian American female. Uh, but after, I mean, after the fact, and it's, it hasn't been, uh, an issue. I, I haven't necessarily faced anything too challenging, um, mm-hmm. around being a Asian American, but yes, I, I took some time to like, think about it. Yeah. I was a little, I was nervous. I was like, you know, there's definitely going to be certain people and audiences that I won't, uh, you know, um, I won't resonate with, or, you know, people will align with the brand because of it. But um, I decided to just kind of go forward and I'm like, this is me and this is the brand. No, um, I was hesitant to ask only because I, you know, in talking to you in the last 45 minutes, um, I know that you are confident in what you do and, Um, you're confident even in your giftings and your talents. And, you know, I I would imagine that 
I mean, I myself too. Like, I don't, I don't really feel that way, if I'm honest. Like, I don't really feel threatened by people um, because of who I am or my ethnicity. However, mm-hmm. you know, I know that there are challenges. I know that it can arise. And for me, it is very sobering, you know, what you just said. Like, that there was a moment of hesitation for you that it's like, you know, how are people going to respond to that? And that's, yeah, that's really sobering. I, I like, and really heavy and to consider. But, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> it is what it is. Like, and mm-hmm. I um, applaud you for even just moving forward. It's really great. But um, thank you for your honesty. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I asked all the questions I wanted to but was there anything that you wanted to share in particular that I maybe I missed or didn't ask you about oh okay um I want to I would love to speak about you know in obstacles and you know having a business that that's that's a question but the way and format of how I've been able to apply certain skill sets to my personal and professional life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you please? I would love to. <laughs> so, um, I think, you know, you were asking me earlier, like, what are obstacles and challenges? And of course, there's work obstacles and challenges all the time. Um, but I think the way that I've been able to manage any kind of obstacle, personal or professional, is when I started my meditation practice. Mm-hmm. That's really helped. That's really helped me overall. Mm-hmm. And I think some like the main points would be being able to learn how to practice stillness. Mm-hmm. And it's been like such a great tool because it really helps make better decisions because you're making those decisions from a much more calm state. I'm naturally a very high energy person. (laughs) You're like, it's obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Even when I'm, even when I'm calm, it's high, I believe at times like intense energy. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, that, that has really helped. And that also has helped give a lot of clarity and has helped me particularly learn about like self-awareness, just awareness in general, but also self-awareness. So once I've been able to have that, it helps also to be more open-minded about areas and points that could not go in the way that you ideally would want it to go, just challenging scenarios. And of course, like relationships, right? Business is all about also relationships. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing. Everyone knows how to do their job. Like, you know, I can design stuff. I can make stuff. And depending on your occupation, you know how to do your job. You've been trained in it. Yeah. But when you now have people that you have to uh, manage and learn how to build relationships with and build trust, that's where it's really challenging because there's so many variables. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, What could happen? So that's really helped. And I think with, with the stillness, um, which helps gain, um, clarity and awareness, I think 
that's helped also just stay very consistent or as consistent as I can be in personal and in business. And I think that's something that can be applied to both. And that's really helped me overcome many, you know, just many different moments, whether it's in my head or something that's happening um, outside of my body. Um, it's been, it's been my most, it's been my most significant tool. No, I mean, I really appreciate that advice because I feel like even, um, like it just gets so busy, you know, life. And then like on top of that, there's screens, right? Like Mm -hmm. phones and just, uh, the need to always be either, Doing something, looking down, Mm -hmm. you know, um, at your phone. And I I feel that I'm guilty as well. Um, But, like, yeah, just moments of stillness. That's really good, Sung. Like, I I (laughs) need that in my life. And so, um, but, yeah, and just kind of moments to, like, clear your mind. Okay, like, what is the focus here? What is the purpose? Um, I really love that. That's really sound advice, and I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, But speaking of of advice, do you happen to have... I always ask people, like, towards the end Mm -hmm. of our time together, um, if you have any advice for somebody that is listening to this and is like, hey, you know, like, design, like... um, the field that you're in right now, like that's something maybe I'm interested in. Um, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Any advice for them? Um, I just think that everyone should be very diligent in how they're approaching whatever it is that they want to learn. I would say it's extremely important to stay very curious. And, and I, I say that also, uh, in, in a way without having you be very distracted. That's very different, right? Don't get distracted, <laughs> but stay curious in terms of what questions you want to ask, what you want to learn about. Um, I also think it's extremely important. It's an extremely important skill set to learn how to do focused listening. It's actually a skill set that you need to like learn. And it's a work what in progress you- for me. What do you mean? What do you yeah. mean? So to, when I, you know, when people are always like, oh, like, you know, you got to be a good listener or this person is a good listener because of all the different distractions that we have nowadays, especially, and our attention spans are just on a different, it's a different trajectory. <laughs> There's just so much more stimulation and distractions. I think it's very important to consciously put the technology away and to have time for yourself where you train and learn how to do focused listening. So if it is engaging with a person, you have to, you have to put all the other distractions aside and truly like listen to what the other person is saying, make eye contact. Your body language is also very important in being able to receive the information, regardless of what it is that they might be speaking about just being very present. Mm. Right. And I I really think it takes a lot of practice Yeah, and it takes effort. It takes effort. Nowadays, it really takes effort because we're just so used to staying and being connected and distracted all the time Mm. that I think focused listening is 
an important part of like a connection skill, like a life, a life skill that we like need to almost like relearn. Yes, absolutely. And that's really sad, but true. (laughs) Yeah, it is true. Um, Okay, but you were saying so being curious, not distracted, focused listening with any and, you know, not you don't have to just give advice about, um, you know, design or the interests that you have been sharing with us tonight. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, focus listening is like a life advice. Do you have any other like life advice? You've lived a lot longer than my listeners, if I'm honest. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I got that. (laughs) Um, I would say don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm. That's something that I am actively working on. It's something that I think also depending on upbringing or perhaps your background can be more natural or not. And it, it just doesn't hurt if you're respectful and reasonable in asking for help. The worst thing that's going to happen is that person will say no. But then you try again, or perhaps you can also learn why they said no mm. and just continue to write um, c- and continue to try from there. So I think it only leads to um, success, right? If you're open to it and always are willing to just just be okay with asking for help. Oh, man, I'm so I'm so bad at that. And like, I hate rejection. I <laughs> mm-hmm. like, yeah. even like reaching out to you, I was like, please at least respond to me. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, but it's because, you know, it's like, you know, I, it's just like, I, um, my, I guess, I don't know how to say it, like, I'm really bad. I'm I'm just, I'm a perfectionist, right? I just want to be good at everything. So like, I think, um, me too, like as a mom now, um, and as I'm getting older, it's like, yeah, so what? Like you, people make mistakes and you ask people for help. And if they say no, what's the big deal? And there are times I'm like, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. But you know, like hearing people like you, like encourage that I'm like, yes, I'm going to take Sung's advice and I'm going to apply it to my life. Um, But it is hard. I think, like you mentioned, upbringing is a big thing, right? Like how you were raised. I think um, I would be as bold as to say that I think a lot of Asian Americans, you know, do have trouble asking for help a lot of times, Um, at least Mm -hmm. the ones that I grew up around. Um, But I No, absolutely. Because, yeah. yeah. Because you're, you can burden someone, right? Yes. And, you know, growing up Korean, American, um, that's, a, that's a very important part, right? You want to be respectful and not burden anyone. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a big part of, I think, uh, I think it's a cultural, it's a cultural thing. Yeah. So I understand that. Yeah. But we got to break it because none of that anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's, I, I, I do think that, you know, having, right, the values and how our parents raised us is very important, but being aware of, like, how and where you can apply or 
change some of the thinking can be can be a a big benefit um and yeah just i mean staying respectful too it's another big part of um something that i work on <laughs> daily is how i communicate with my mom who mm. just comes from a very different mindset and background right um in in trying to help her understand i have to get better about my communication and how much information i give her so that it can help her understand and she doesn't have to agree no one has to necessarily agree if you can just help the other person have a better understanding by giving them context and to explain and calmly um give more information a lot of times like i found as the years have gone on that my mom is also much more open and receptive even if she still does not agree. Yeah, that's really And we hard. have those areas for sure. That's so hard, <laughs> you know. It's challenging, yeah. but yeah. Uh so um so true. Thank you so much for even bringing that up because I feel like that's still a struggle even for us in you know our 30s. So um Yes. <laughs> I am still um, in my 30s. Well, sung, uh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. And since you just mentioned it's okay to ask for help. Um, if there's anyone listening tonight that's uh, thinking, hey, I want to know more about Sung. I want to see if she has any any advice, more advice that she can give me. Would you be okay with me uh, with me connecting you with them? Absolutely. I would love, I would love to be, um, I would love to be a part of that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Hey guys. So if you enjoyed um, this episode and you have more questions, please feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com or you can DM me on social media um, and I will connect you with Sung right away. Sung, thank you so much again for your time. I really appreciate it. You are amazing. You are, by the way, you are gorgeous. Just to, just to oh put gosh, it out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, thank you again. You are the sweetest. And oh, um. Can I tell people about the discount? Okay. So if you are interested in purchasing Big Little Universe products, um, Sung has been so gracious to provide us with a discount code. It's W-I-G-U-15, uh, right? Yes. Okay, great. And so for when I grow up, fifteen. Yes. Yeah, when I when I grow up, fifteen. Um, so um, if you need the code, I'll definitely put it out on social media. But thank you so much, you guys. Go check out Big Little Universe. It is uh, full of wonderful products. My mom, friends, you know what to do. Um, but Sung, thank you so much again. Thank you. It was so. It was an honor to be on the show today and or on the podcast sorry we're not on a show okay. <laughs> it was an honor to be on the podcast and i hope that um some information that we shared today can can be helpful to some of the listeners no definitely thanks again until next time guys bye bye